So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life and the multifamily legacy podcast will show you how. So now here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. All right. Hey, everybody. Corey Peterson, Multifamily Legacy Podcast. Today is episode number seven. And today we're going to talk about how to fund your deals. This is going to be a fun episode because there's a lot of little pieces that work on the total funding package. And I really want to give you all the juicy content of how it works um, and you know how you maneuver this thing and how you get how you get your deals done. And lots of fun. So uh, before I get started, though, let me just give out a couple quick shout outs. So everybody has been right now, they've been flocking to iTunes. They've been leaving me wonderful reviews. And I just want to share a couple because, man, they mean a lot to me. And honestly, it just tells me that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm getting out content that's um, not filtered. You guys know me. I just kind of I just kind of say how it is. And um, it's been awesome to like get this feedback so i just got uh this is from wolf dg so thank you Corey. podcast couldn't have came any sooner great content keep it coming i'm learning so much uh from just the few episodes so we're only on episode seven so that is awesome i've got another there's another one this one comes from t alex 111 the genuineness of this guy oozes through your headphones. I've listened to the five episodes that have been released thus far twice. It's that good. He delivers quality content with enthusiasm and energy. Many of the other podcasts on business either just feel like a pitch or just a drone spewing out numbers and statistics. This guy is the total package. Really love it and really resonate with the energy. If you are interested in the upper echelon of real estate from a place that won't bore you to death, but still give you the killer content uh, in digestible pieces. Listen to this. So good. Wow, man. That, like, I couldn't have wrote that any better. And just to, like, the, <laughs> I never can horse this guy, but gosh darn, man. You want to talk about making me feel good? Like, <laughs> I think my head just blew up. <laughs> okay, so enough of that stuff. I don't want to bore you to death with what we're doing. But I do want you to do one other little thing. And if you haven't done so yet, go to Kahuna Wealth Builders, download my quick start video series. You're going to need this video series because it goes over in detail how to find deals and how to raise that elusive other people's money. Okay. We're actually right now building out a better build out of that download. So if you'll do it like tomorrow, you're well, you don't even know what tomorrow is. I'm going to I'm going to launch this thing in about another week. So you're fine. Just download it. Uh, we've expanded the uh, opt-in series. So you're going to get a lot of bonus content. I just want to, I want to like, I don't want to be a guru. Does that, I don't know how that sounds, but I just don't. I have no desire 
to be this guru guy that gets up on and tries to take everybody on a stage. Um, now, I do want to do intimate stuff where I really want to teach people that, you know, how to do what I do. But I don't really have a desire of being this crazy guru that um, just makes money in the info business. Like, that doesn't that doesn't juice me. But what does juice me is talking about what I do for a living because I love it. And it's really fun. And, man, it's the cash flow life. I, I got to say this every episode because I don't, I don't want anybody to ever miss it. Man, I started from nothing. Like, when you start from nothing, you have so much appreciation for success and, like, what it takes. And just to kind of give you some, like, what's coming ahead, I've actually talked my wife into doing a podcast with me. Um, that's probably going to be the best episode ever. She will give you the insight, I think, of who I am and my drive because she's watched it from kind of the outside looking in, and she's always been my like biggest cheerleader. And I think she has a lot of insight into what being a supportive spouse looks like in this real estate game. And she's been the best. I mean, the best. If it wasn't for her, man, I'm telling you, I'd probably, I'd probably still just be broke. <laughs> so she's like watered me at all the right times, making sure my roots grew strong and just gave me lots of confidence. And she allowed me to think that it was okay to fail, you know, that I could fail and she would dust myself off and, and kick me out the door and say, go get them. And man, you know, that's, that's the difference. That's the difference in like, uh, for me, this game has been a partnership with my wife and, you know, she doesn't, she's not in the front ground. She, she really doesn't want to be that person. She's kind of always in the back, but she is my best friend. And uh, I love doing life with her. And I love, I just, I always want to make sure that I'm so real and authentic when I do these podcasts because, man, it's a joy. It's a joy. Okay. So I don't want to get, let's, let's get this thing moving along. So we're now, we've talked about, you know, how to, how to find deals, how to talk to brokers and make offers. Now let's talk about you get a deal accepted. Like, what's the next steps? How are you going to, because in a deal, you're going to raise private money, but I've not really talked about like exactly what you write, raise private money for. What all does private money cover? And then what other money do you use? So I think that one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of people were thinking in the beginning is I'm using private money to fund the entire deal. No, you don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do that? Because private money is still more expensive than bank financing. So when we're, this is called the capital stack, okay? The capital stack is the total amount of money it takes to buy a deal. And it's what lenders are going to ask, you know, what's your capital stack or, or things like that. Now, first of all, let's, let's, and we're going to use an example. Let's say we're buying a $2 million deal. And since I just said $2 million, now I got to do the math on my stupid, uh, calculator of what the numbers are going to look like so times 80 percent let's not do that let's go 2 million times 0.75 all right so let's say we have a typical deal that you're going to buy for two million dollars let's say this is maybe a 90 unit apartment complex and you're getting a really good deal for it right and so the purchase price is two million well what you're going to finance, usually now when we underwrite, now this is very important to kind of give you a little bit of like guidance. When you're underwriting, you want to always start with 0.75. In other words, 
you're going to be able to get a 75% loan to value from like a bank. And it could be less. It could be less. Depends on the market. And all that is all determined by the current occupancy. You know, right now in my portfolio, we're looking for deals that are pretty much operational, like above 85% occupancy and like somewhere in that 85% collections or better. And typically, we're you know, if we can get 90% occupancy, um, that allows us to get probably the best loan to value, which is 80% but we never use 80% as our initial underwriting guidelines. We will only get and put down the 80% after we have gotten bank approval at 80. Does it make sense? So when you're initially underwriting, again, this goes back to being very conservative. Always be conservative in how you're projecting what you're going to have to do, okay? Because it does make a difference. And once we kind of get I'm still working on my software. When I get this thing built out, you guys are going to really like it because it will help spit out what a deal looks like. And then when we do that, I'm not sure how I'm going to like show it in the podcast, but I might have to give a link to some training or something to show you what it does and, and how cool it is um, because it will make a difference. So 0.75, that's just bank financing. So in this typical example of a $2 million purchase, that's going to be $1.5 million that you're going to get from the bank. Now, you still have to go raise private money. And usually, you're going to use private money to get the other 25%, right? Now, that is half a million. But we're not done yet. Because when we do these deals, we borrow all the money it takes to not only do the uh, the 25% down, we still now have to cover all the closing costs, legal costs, um, inspection cost, everything that's going to cost in your deal, we want to account for that type of money because we're going to borrow it. And we're also going to borrow all our CapEx. CapEx, again, is is your capital expenditures. These are This is the amount of money you're going to use to fix up the property. In single family uh, fix and flip, we call it rehab money. Okay, This is your rehab money. We're going to use, and so we're not only just borrowing just the money it takes to put down, but all those other things plus the rehab money. Now, people are saying, so you're going to borrow more than you're purchasing. Yes, I am. And because if I know my numbers and I know what I can do and how I can improve the property, that is what you do. And the reason people like, so a lot of times people are selling these properties, you know, for like that $2 million price. And the reason they, because a lot of people say, why doesn't the current owner just do that and like fix it and make the money? The reason is, is most of the time, they have no extra money. They're out. They've spent all their money, and they didn't get to completion, or they let their property deteriorate to a point where now they can't get the money from operations. So, you know, people, I don't know, you know, there's just bad operators out there. And so our job is to find all the right problems in a property that we, that are fixable. And when we find that, then we can fund it 100% with bank financing and other people's money to get the other piece, plus all the money that we need to bring to the deal. Now, I still left out one of my favorite pieces, okay? And this is called the acquisition fee. Now, an acquisition fee is typically between 3 to 5%. On average, we usually charge 4 um, sometimes 5 right? And it all depends on how good a deal 
we've found, right? So I believe in, I get, I get paid every deal I do. And so on a typical $2 million deal times, let's call it 4%, that's $80,000. Hey, there's some fix and flip money for you, for all my fix and flippers out there, right? You know, I know that everybody likes like immediate profits. Well, problem solved. That's how you get it. In apartments, we just get it through what's called acquisition fees. Now, just think if you could do, you know, four $2 million deals a year. Like, that's not super busy. That's not being crazy. That's $320,000 just in acquisition fees. Do you see why? Do you see why the cash flow life is like sexy? Are you feeling it right now? Because you should. Like, this makes me do the happy dance. Now, here's, I got it like, so I don't want to gloat, right? But I'm just, I'm going to just tell you what's going on. So right now I'm in the middle of, on December 15th, we're closing on a $12.7 million acquisition, okay? On Eagle Village. Eagle Village is a student housing project in Indiana that we're going to buy. And we're doing a 1031 exchange. So I sold my property in South Carolina for $8.8 million. We've got $4.7 million in cash. We're going to use that money to buy this new deal. Now, I'm buying the new deal, but I'm still charging an acquisition fee. Okay. So let's just do the math real quickly. 12.7. There we go. Five times 4%. That's $510,000. Yeah. If that doesn't get you out of the morning, I don't know what does, but like that gets me like, I'm, you know, that's cool, right? It's cool. And who would have ever thought, right? Who, like, you really can get that money and people pay you and they don't care? Yeah. Yeah, they don't care. Do you know what they care about? Do you know what your investors really care about is, are you going to give me my money back? And secondly, can I make some money on you? Will you give me interest? And when you start showing consistently that you do that for your investors, your investors don't care. All they want to see is the full numbers and understand what you're doing, how we're going to underwrite the property. Now, we've still underwritten the property in very conservative numbers. I'm still, on this particular deal, I am getting 75% leverage, right? Now, I would get, if, if the bank would lend me 80%, I would take it because what I pay my private money is like almost 12%. And I can borrow money right now at the bank for like four and a half, sometimes five, it all depends on the deal, percent. So like what's cheaper? Bank money is always cheaper. So you always want to get as much bank money as you can. And so that's called the capital stack. So not only does you fund, I mean, so people are like, they, I don't think they quite understand the concept, but man, people, it's like when you go to a stockbroker or a financial advisor and you want to place a trade on an investment, um, they typically take a commission. And because I'm the guy that is operating, funding, and structuring the deal and putting everything together, it is very normal and very acceptable for you to take an acquisition fee. So I don't want you guys to be scared of it or afraid of it. Now, the other thing is you just can't just go put out a number and say, I'm taking 5% because I, 
I want to make all the money. Okay, now that's the wrong idea. You only take 5% when you've got the biggest, fattest, juicy deal, and you still can make, you know, really good money for your investors. Your numbers will tell you what you can do. It's really that simple, you know. Now, when you start getting good, you start, I feel like I only take, I only try to take what I call fat deals. We've talked about this before. If you get a skinny deal and it gets skinnier, man, things are not so fun. But if you find a fat deal and it gets skinnier, everybody's okay. No one, no one's freaking out. So just don't do skinny deals. Don't do deals that you're like, oh gosh, everything's got to work perfectly and I can make some money. Run from those deals. Run. Your investors will thank you for running. See, this whole game, this everything that we're talking about in this multifamily game of raising private money and syndicating, it is all about your investors. It's all about the money, right? That is your golden goose. You protect that money at all costs. You don't go out and chase you know, shiny objects. You stay true to the numbers. And when you do that and you're consistent with it, they reward you by sharing you with all their friends and family and neighbors, people they golf with. They give you all the referrals of other people's money. See, that's this is the relationship business. And it starts with friends and family. It really does. And if your friends and family don't have no money, no problem, because neither did mine. <laughs> but what I was good at was using my friends and family to practice, right? And so sometimes that's what they're, they're there for, just practice. But I know other friends of mine that have friends that have money. Guess what? And here's the cool thing. And I've been doing this now for quite a while. And I will just say, like, in my own, like, Jesus was always a carpenter in his own neighborhood, right? <laughs> and in my own neighborhood, I, uh, I feel like I've always just been the carpenter. And um, it's like only recently that I think I've la launched this podcast and, and been a lot more public about what I do and how I'm doing it, that all my neighbors have finally like caught on and really understand what I do. And it is one of the coolest things that they're now all asking me if they can invest in my deals. And um, it's taken a long time. And so if your friends and neighbors say no, don't worry, don't worry. One day they will. Um, heck, my own sister still won't lend me money. <laughs> she just doesn't do business with family. <laughs> But she will, she will. And, um, but, you know, so I, I say that just so you don't get discouraged when you're raising private money and you, you know, you ask people for it. Remember, we never ask people for money, okay? Especially when you're new. When you're new, you're only asking people about who they know. And, and that really is like the nice segue because then you take all the pressure away. And you're saying, hey, I really want you to critically look at what I'm doing because um, I really think you know people that can help me raise money, okay? All right, so we've just, just like cleared the air here for like what it takes to like the total capital stack, okay? That you can make some money, you can fund all your deals, you need to be conservative in your underwriting and you're not pencil like the best financing available, that also means that you don't pencil the best interest rate available. Pencil a higher interest rate. 
If you think you can get four and a half, that's the current market, pencil it at five. Pencil it at 5%. See, now we're at a lower leverage and a, lo and a higher interest rate. And if our deal still works at those numbers, then it's still a deal. So many people don't do this, and I don't know why. They always want to like look at the very best scenario. We don't fine-tune our numbers until we're almost ready to close. Isn't that crazy? But that's, that's how good operators do it, because until we really know that that's what we're getting, and we update them for our own, like just to have in my own deal, but we've already given out a prospectus to my investors, and that does not change. We don't juice it up. So now guess what we do? We underpromised, and now we get to overdeliver. Now, how fun is that? How rewarding. This is a hidden art that most people this they just don't do it. I don't know why, but they just don't. And so, like, hey, being an expert, gosh dang, it's it's like not that hard. It's like such a small difference between being good to great. And like being good to great is like simply saying, I think it's 75% leverage and it's 5% lending. And then you use those numbers as your template. It's what you model for your investors. You're very conservative. And then you just do better. And so then when it comes time to show your financials each and every month to the people that matter, your investors, guess what? You're constantly showing them better numbers. And what do you think that does for people inside that the ones that gave you money, it makes them believe and trust in you and become raving fans. And that's what you want. You want raving fans, raving fans in this business will give you everything you absolutely need. Don't screw it up, <laughs> right? Beacons, mark my words, do not speed, <laughs> do not Pass go unless you've done correct underwriting. Be conservative. I want to beat it in your heads. Don't go and like try to go best pie in the sky. It's not ever, ever worth it because we are hostage to our capital. The capital is the only thing that makes sense in this business. Okay. All right. So now let's talk about how, how does this work? So when you're out there looking for a loan, for like your commercial multifamily project, where do you go? Do you go to your bank? Do you go to like Wells Fargo and, and things of that nature? You can, right? There, you can. I'm going to tell you, you're way better off in doing, finding a mortgage broker that's on the commercial side. And so I'm just going to give a plug out to my boy, Eric Stewart. So um, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes to get to Eric Stewart. He is my uh, mortgage broker, and he is phenomenal. He helps me and does all my deals with me, and um, lots of fun. And it really, you know, he's good at holding hands, right? But he knows the business. He knows, you know, looking at your deal, looking at your numbers, he's going to be able to give you some really sound advice in the structure. And, you know, he can definitely tell you what I do in the past and, like, my thinking behind it and how we structure our deals, okay? And the reason I say a mortgage broker instead of just like a bank or just one avenue is because I believe in choices. And I believe broker a broker relationship can look at the market 
and say, here's probably the best ways, okay? Because there's lots of different things going on in your capital stack. For example, let's say you had a property that's like 60% occupancy. Well, there's no bank really that's going to give you a loan on that type of occupancy. Um, there, they, but there is with the broker world and it's called like a bridge to perm. In other words, they're going to give you a bridge loan. It's a high interest rate loan. It's not hard money, but it's definitely more expensive because it's more risky. And then there's certain, and, and there's more controls on it, but then it converts to a permanent loan. And there's different, um, what's called CNBC lenders. There's Freddie, there's Fannie Mae loans. There's different loan. There's a small uh, loan balance program, which is from $5 million and to down to like, I think, 2 or $1 million. There's um, your normal stuff that's, you know, anything above $5 million. So, I mean, there's just lots. I mean, uh, insurance companies lend money. Uh, there's all kinds of ways in the multifamily game to find capital. And I don't even claim to be an expert, a.k.a. I'm not. And one thing you learn about me from me is that I believe in like making life simple, okay? I run my multi-million dollar business from my house. That's where I'm at now, in my office, where I'm at now. And I don't have any employees, right? Well, I mean, I have a VA, but, and I have my wife and I have uh, someone, you know, I have a bunch of people that kind of help me, but I've kept it simple for a reason. I don't ever want to have to go like check in to the office and like go to work. That sounds like the death of me, okay? That sounds like I don't get to live my lifestyle. That sounds like life sucks. And like I become this guy that has to check in all the time. And I'm just not down with that. I don't ever want to do it. And so I choose not to. And so when I come up with things that are harder or problems that are harder than I really want to like get involved with, I am a master at procuring the best source for it okay i'll spend all day all night you know for a month if i have to finding the right mortgage guy i will i will i will call up everybody that i find i will ask for help and don't ever like not value the asking for help i've built my sphere of networks right and when i come up to a a problem that i don't know how to solve that's the first place i go that's the first place i go I ask all my friends and network, hey, do you have a referral for this? Can you give me the right guy? And then I, you know, and what questions should I ask them? What do you know about them, right? I mean, that's the business of finding good referrals is you ask lots of hard questions, but you first go find your friends, ask your friends, ask your network, ask people, see what they know, who they know. And as you keep expanding your network, the availability of having better influencers and better people in your network, um, it will come. It will come faster than you even think possible. And so that's been like the secret to my success is, guys, man, I never claimed that I was a smart cat, right? I barely made it out of high school. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a super genius. I am smart, right? I'm very intuitive. But I use my, I, I think my gift is in like, you know, I think Steve Jobs said it best, right? I watched the movie uh, about Steve Jobs. He's like, I play the orchestra. You know, this, you know, different other people, like, you may be the fiddle, you may be the cello, 
but I play the orchestra. I'm the conductor. And I, f- I feel like that's what I do in my business is I am the conductor. I take all the pieces that I need and I assemble them to make the team. And then I just make sure all the team is playing right. And sometimes you need a little more cello, right? Sometimes you need a little more, uh, you know, lender, right? You need, I, my, I need my lender to step up here. And so you call on your lender and do, you know, I need you to do, and sometimes you make them fill out your paperwork for you, like I do, because <laughs> I'm lazy. I don't want to have to do it. I'm like, just fill it all out. So then, and then all I have to do is sign it. Can you do that for me? Guess what happens? He does. So there you have it. There's some great information there. And I'm actually going to have to cut this episode a little short because somehow my recorder screwed up and I had a re-recorded a whole nother like 15 or 20 minutes. And would you know it, like my audio didn't come through. So I'm not going to try to go back and like rethink and everything I did. I'm just going to cut it off here and just know that we'll talk about lending in a future episode of really, and probably what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get Eric on the phone with me or we'll do a Zoom uh, call and really just have him go over, you know, really what it takes to get loans in today's markets, what we're looking for as far as credit, underwriting, your personal history, how you can find and put together all the pieces that you need. Because sometimes you may not have, you know, all the credit, you may not have all the capital. But the great thing about this business is that you can put it all together and package it in a loan and you can, and it's totally fine. It's totally acceptable in the structure of like multifamily deals. So that's what I love about this business is it doesn't matter what you have or have not. It's really just about how you put the jigsaw puzzle together to find the solution. And really, life is all about finding solutions. Multifamily is no different. And finding solutions for what you have or don't have, putting it all together, making it win-win for everybody. And guess what? You get to do real estate. That is living the paradise life. That's, That's the legacy wealth that we're talking about. As always, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast. Um, leave your remarks on iTunes if you can. And if you've not done to the, go to Kahuna Wealth Builders, go do that and, and download our Quick Start Workshop series. And, but, you know, I just want to let everybody know, I really appreciate the listeners, man. I really do. I've been getting such great feedback. And, um, you know, if there's any episodes that, or things that you really want to learn, we're going to keep on, we're going to start segueing. I've got like one more core episodes of like operational stuff that I, that I do, that I want to get, get out there. And then I'm going to start interviewing all the people that I do business with. So I think you're going to find that really interesting, a lot of fun as, as I just go through the process with everybody that I touch. And, you know, I'll go through all my team members, my uh, lenders, my uh, lawyers, my PPM lawyers, my P- lawyers that do put together our property packets, um, our, um, gosh, what else do we use? I mean, there's so many pieces that we touch here. But I'm going to get them all on. I'm going to get them all on, and we're going to talk about how we do it. And hopefully that just gives you a breadth of knowledge and understanding. And then not all, once we get all that out of the way, then I'm going to get all my friends, all my multifamily buddies that are just out there crushing it. We're going to go interview them. So, um, And then I, I think by, by that time, I might have some some people. I'm going to get bring on some case studies. I got my buddy BP that just bought a 
uh, property. I'm going to give him a shout out. And we're going to do an episode with him and have him talk about his success. So lots of great things happening. So blessed, so blessed in this life. Uh, I've got a wonderful wife that supports me and loves me despite of all my faults. And I got two amazing kids. And uh, right now, I just want—I want to just let everybody else feel like feel the love, dude. Because man, this business is so—it's just so cool. It's so fun. It's so real. And I'm excited. I'm—I'm I'm happy that I'm doing this journey. This like this journey's been amazing. And hopefully, I can keep on sharing it with you guys and giving it to you real. So, thanks a lot. And guess what? Your paradise is possible. It only takes one deal, one stinking deal in multifamily to have legacy wealth. Don't ever forget that. Go out today and make it your best ever. Peace.